<coughs> the first reading is taken from Isaiah 45, verse 5 to 13. It would be on page 505 on the small Bible. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. So that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but but potsherds, among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say, the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says the Holy One of Israel and its Maker, concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretch out the heavens. I marshal their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will build my city. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Sorry, Holly, I'm up. I'm on two duties today and uh, I forgot to let you know I wanted to do an announcement about Zambia's child, so if I can slip it in now, if that's okay. We had some wonderful news from Zambia during the week and those who sponsor Year 7 pupils will be particularly interested to know. Up the back on the missions notice board, I've stuck the results. 24 children sat for the exams, 24 passed. Praise the Lord for that. In Zambia, they classify them in grades for passing into high school. 50% of the kids... Oh, boy, that brings this on. 50% of the kids pass first grade high school. 25% pass second grade high school and two pass third grade high school. So isn't that a cause for rejoicing and praising and thanking the Lord because, uh, you know, I mean... We were just worried at the start of the year, and of course, this new headmaster, Amos, and he's done brilliant things with that Year 7 group, so we can just thank the Lord that we've got the stand. And there's 24 because six have dropped out of the 30 that started, but we're hoping to bring, I think it's six, isn't it, Bruce, to build it up to 30 from the school in Manianda, which is about out of the south, but we had to pick kids that had relatives in the area where the school is to bring up six more to make 30 for the high school. One prayer point you could pray, and I'd ask everybody if you could pray every day for the connection of electricity. It's the most vital thing. The kids have started the year. They're in high school. We've got computers and we've got science labs. 
and uh, it's it's going to be the uh, when's the summer is just now, isn't it? Yeah, and we need fans to be able to operate in the classrooms and things like that. We really need the electricity. So let's pray, and then hoping next Sunday I can say they've told us we paid for it six months ago um, uh, that it's been connected during the week. So we really let's just commit that to prayer. Uh, anyway, so Psalm 107 is our next reading, commencing at verse uh, 23, and in the small print it's page 421, and in the large print page 948. So Psalm 107, commencing at verse 23 to verse 32. Page 421, small print. 948 big print. The reading starts at verse 23. Some went out to the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up, they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were all at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the waves to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad uh, when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you, those of you who haven't gone away yet, but some of you are to go away and some have come back. It's like that in January. Um, this, when I did the um, s- s- preaching roster, as you know, in January do, we do psalms um, and I had decided to do Psalm 107 which is a psalm about uh, uh, the difficulties that people are in and then their thanksgiving to God. But then when the, uh, the bushfires uh, came upon us, um, I, uh, I thought to myself, maybe I ought to actually address that um, and talk about how we as Christians can actually speak into this situation. Now, that's extraordinarily difficult um, it's difficult because every person is different. They will be coming from a different perspective about it. Um, I heard two guys at my running club Wednesday, on Wednesday evening arguing about the bushfires and, we, and then it uh, deteriorated, unfortunately, into arguing about climate change. So, you know, people will come at it from all different angles. And so I thought I might just raise a couple of issues with you as to what the Bible has to say about God and, and disasters, then give you the opportunity to either comment or ask some questions. Um, so that's how we'll go this morning. Let me pray 
and uh, then we'll look at what God has to say to us. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we look at a very real and difficult topic, that of disasters in our world, we pray that uh, we'll be able to understand what you are saying to us and that we might be able to apply it to our circumstances, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Approximately 2,000 homes have been destroyed and 23 people died in the bushfires so far in New South Wales. And people have given their time, they've given property, some have lent caravans, others have taken complete strangers into their homes, others have given emotional support. But many people, as I sort of watched uh, the various news reports, have indicated that they are actually at their wit's end. How do they understand what's going on? You know, for example, um, you find that one man's house is saved and another man's house is burnt down and his house is burnt down because he's been away fighting the bushfires somewhere else. How do you work it all out? It's very difficult. Two of my friends lost their homes at Lake Conjola. Uh, and other people in our congregations know other people who have suffered losses at as well. So first of all, as we sort of think about this, I want to begin by addressing the issue of, is there a God? For some people will say, there is no God. And even if there is a God, he's not very powerful because how can a God who is powerful let these bushfires happen? These are big questions, aren't they? And some of us might shrug our shoulders and say, well, I don't know. But Psalm 107 has four groups of people who have suffered. There are wanderers, there are people who suffered generally, there are people who were in prison, and there are people who suffered uh, all sorts of trouble. But then, and for us as Christians, we start with the fact that God does exist. Now, of course, that is a statement of faith. Non-Christians sometimes actually believe the same thing. You'll often sort of hear a sportsman who's done well might say, well, you know, somebody up there must like me. Or um, if someone is uh, dying or has died, they might say, well, when your number's up, your number's up. When the big fella calls out your number, that's it. Now, that might be as far as they might go. But we believe that God exists. Why? Because we believe the Bible that's where we're sort of starting out from, isn't it? Well, Isaiah chapter 45 that Ira read for us says these words, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I form the light and I create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. And in Psalm 107, verse 24, we have these words. God spoke and he stirred up the tempest 
that lifted high the waves. So we believe in a God, but we also believe in that he is sovereign. But when it comes, and we believe in God when he's sovereign, when good things happen to us, you know, oh, my granddaughter was born well, although there'd been concerns about her. Isn't God good? God is sovereign. But when difficulties come upon us, we shirk at times. We think, oh, can God be sovereign? You know, is he sovereign over the fact that there are bushfires or there are floods or people suffer terribly? You know, um, those two young firefighters that died in New South Wales, one from Horsley Park, I don't, can't remember where the other one from, is God sovereign over the fact that these young men die? And the Bible says to us, yes, he is. You know, that it is appointed, the Bible says it is appointed when all will die. So the scriptures say to us, much as we might find it hard to hang on to, God is sovereign over that. You see, why are we praying for rain? We're praying for rain because we believe God is sovereign. And he can't be sovereign over some things and not sovereign over others. You know, um, the Queen can't control Harry and Meghan... But God controls all things. Now, how you might say that to someone and whether you actually need to say it to someone might be another thing. You may not. But it's a principle that we've sort of got to have in the back of our mind. We've got to have a starting point in our lives in regards to speaking of it. And Paul does that when he goes to Athens and he says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. So Paul has found a way to talk to religious people, as they felt they were, but not Christians, about the fact that God is there. And maybe you might be able to do that, but maybe not. You see, our world has been influenced by people like Richard Dawkins, who said, DNA just is. DNA does not care. Which leads us... To the next question. If there is a God, he can't be loving or he wouldn't let this happen to us. And that is, of course, a real difficulty for us. And yet, we must got to hold on to the fact. You see, if we've got a, a sovereign God, but if he is evil, we're in a terrible fix. Or if he is ambivalent, 
we're in an awful mess. But we know (coughs) that the Bible tells us that God is a good God. This sovereign God is good. Now, of course, that will cause us some difficulties because how can a good God allow bushfires? I'll come to it in a minute. But just let me remind you of some of the scriptures teaching about the goodness of God. Psalm 52 and verse 1 says, The goodness of God endures forever. God's nature is perfect and not defective in any way. In Genesis 1 and chapter 31 it says, And God saw that everything he made was very good. We have just had Christmas, if you can remember back that far now. And this was the message by the angels to the shepherds. Glory be to God in the highest and peace on earth. And then it says this, and God's good will towards all people. In Psalm 107 it opens, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now there are times when evil does seem to triumph. We do live, people will often say, why has this happened to me? Or why has this happened to my loved one? What have I done? And when I worked in the hospital, I would sit with people and they would say to me, was it because I did this? And they would list all bad things that they've ever done. And some of the things that they have done to other people were horrific. And I would say to them, well, God is not like that. He doesn't work that way. It's not tit for tat with God. Yes, you're responsible for your actions and you will stand before him one day, but you can't say, well, you know, you've got cancer because you'd never talked to your brother after you were 21 years of age for 40 years because of that dispute. You can't do that. The answer is we live in a broken and divided world. Because the sin came into the world, these things will happen. Evil is in the world and it's there. But for we as Christians, we've got something else to hang on to. Jesus actually addressed this issue in Luke chapter 13. Two catastrophes took place. One, a water tower. Here we are in drought and a water tower collapsed and 18 people were killed. And on another occasion, Pontius Pilate sent soldiers into the temple and worshippers were killed. And people said to Jesus, well, why did those 18 die? Why did those people who were doing the right thing by being in the temple die? And we can ask the same question because we've seen people in churches killed. Were they worse than somebody else? And Jesus says no. 
No, they weren't any worse. These tragedies have occurred so that the people who lived might think about what's happened and might remember that life does come to an end and that they need to turn back to God. When tragedies occur, sometimes people don't want to have anything to do with God. They think that he's cruel. The other side of the coin, of course, is it can lead people back to God. John wrote Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said these words. Hymns are always biographical. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. He was one who turned back to the faith of his parents after having lived such a rebellious life. So where do we go? We have a sovereign God. We have evil in the world. The Bible claims that God is sovereign over it, that it doesn't happen by fluke or chance. Two things. Two people I want to draw your attention to before I give you the opportunity to ask questions or make comments. We all will remember Joseph, sold into slavery, put in prison because Potiphar's wife said that he tried to seduce her. Eventually, when the whole thing unwraps, he speaks to his brothers after they are reunited and he says this, you meant what you did for bad, but God meant it for good. And Jesus stands before Pilate and Pilate gets irritated with Jesus because Jesus won't answer his questions. And then Jesus says to him, You would have no authority over me except it be from above. So Jesus knows that Pontius Pilate, a stupid, evil man, his decisions are overruled by God. And we see it in the cross. Here is an evil done to a perfect person. But Jesus rises from the dead and brings about our salvation. And it's the same with Joseph. If Joseph hadn't been sold into slavery and come to be a powerful person in Egypt, his family, which was suffering through the famine, would have been wiped out. They would have died of starvation, but they were able to go down to Egypt and get food and go back home and survived. And humanly speaking, that meant that Jesus was born because Jesus is in the line of Joseph. He comes through that family. If they'd have all been wiped out, we would never have had Jesus and you and I wouldn't be in this building today. There would be no salvation. So, trying to put it together, We Christians believe in a sovereign God.
There is evil, and we do not know how it all fits together. We can't answer the question as to why that young man, those two young men died who were firefighters. We can't answer the question why this house stood and then the, and the flames leapt onto the next house and missed another one. We ultimately don't know those things. And that's the struggle for us. But we can point them, we can point to the fact that there is love in all this behind it somewhere. That God is working things out for people. And that he wants us not to flee from him, but to come to him. The psalmist says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And so when we talk to people, and I suggest that you do the very reverse of what I have just done now, Um, I've talked and you've listened. The clue is that you listen. When we talk to people, listen 80% of the time and talk 20% of the time. That's what I wanted to say. Anyone got any observations, questions, comments, thoughts, whatever? Right. I said, of Anyone else want to uh, comment? Have I stunned you all into silence? <laughs> this is really good. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. We do. Yes. And... And, you know, I think this is one of the real struggles for, for younger people today. Uh, it's a struggle for us, but, you know, um, for young people, whether they be Christian or non-Christian, as I talk with people, um, they're, str- they're struggling with it much more. They really are struggling with the concept of of God and how can this actually happen in our world because they're they're looking for paradise now, as it were, and it won't be, will it? Well, let me close in prayer and uh, if you want to talk with me after the service, then I'm more than happy to do so or I'll even listen to you. (laughs) 
for a change. Heavenly Father, we've touched on a very real and difficult issue today. And it's probably raised other issues that have happened in our own lives where there have been awful things happen and we've asked the question, why has this happened? Or what can we do? Or what have I done to deserve this? And so we do pray, Father. We ask that your word will be of a comfort to us in this situation. And we pray that when we talk to anybody about it, that you'll give us the right words to say. Help us to be wise and compassionate. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Holly.